Shalom. This is Reverend John Ferret. Welcome to Truth Nuggets, Lesson 7. And Truth Nuggets in the podcast from Light of Menorah are individual Bible lessons on a variety of topics. If you went to uh, Truth Nuggets 6, it was basically one podcast on prayer based upon Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, or... Um, Truth Nuggets 4, which was based upon Jesus' name. When you go into Philippians 2, 9 through 10. Now, in Nugget 7, what we're going to deal with is the sinfulness of premarital sex or sex outside of marriage. Now, is premarital sex a sin? Does God say it precisely in the Bible? Did he? If so, where is it in the Bible? I mean, you consider a young Christian couple deeply in love, also deeply committed to their faith. But as can happen, their sexual passion in a certain situation is too overwhelming and they have sex. But they're in love. They're Christian. Did they sin? They didn't mean it. Very interesting question. Paul tells us to run. He's, he's teaching this to Timothy. This is in 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee youthful passions, youthful lusts. Paul knows, all of us know, especially men, that sexual desire is something that is tremendously powerful in a man's life. Remember Joseph? This is in Genesis 39. He was alone in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife wanted to make love to him, and he ran. Could it be that he was attracted to her? He knew that this was a problem, and he got out of there. God seems to indicate that you should run. But returning to our Christian couple, did they sin? Now recently I got an email from a fellow Christian. Fascinating question. Matter of fact, I invite any of you who are listening to these podcasts anywhere in the world to certainly ask me questions. The email address for me is LOM, standing for Light of Menorah, L-O-M, then a period, dot, then the word ministries, M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S at gmail.com, L-O-M dot ministries at gmail.com. I invite you anytime to Email me with comments or thoughts or questions. I love to get in that discussion. I learn more from interacting with you both face-to-face -face or on email in terms of exploring questions and issues in the Bible. Anyway, this individual asked me a question. It was related to fornication. Now, it's interesting because in answering this question, I found whether you search on the internet or you listen to many sermons, 
the common view today is that fornication equals sex outside of marriage. I'll just give you an example. There is a website that I like to access a lot for their opinion and their thoughts, and it's called gotquestions.org. And this is an evangelical Christian website, deals with lots of questions, and this one is on fornication and adultery. So the website was gotquestions.org. Anyway, the question is asked, what's the difference between fornication and adultery? Now, this is enlightening. The answer is the modern dictionary definitions of fornication is voluntary sexual intercourse between persons not married to each other, which would include adultery. And adultery, which is voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a partner other than the lawful spouse. Those definitions are simple enough. But the Bible gives us greater insight into how, how God perceives these two sexual sins. Now here's the interesting statement that is a mistake. I actually call out the mistake. It says, in the Bible, both are referred to literally. No, they're not. Adultery is referred to literally, but not sex outside of marriage, not premarital sex. Fornication is. So we need to take a look at that. We're going to find out that Jewish scholars, Jewish Hebrew scholars will tell us that sex outside of marriage, premarital sex, is not referred to in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Scriptures. And Jesus also does not make any reference to it at all. Therefore, the question becomes, what is fornication? What was meant 2,000 years ago? On top of that, what was meant more than 3,000 years ago in the Hebrew Scriptures? Because in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Septuagint, the word for fornication is there. And it's very interesting because the Jewish scholars will say it's got nothing to do with sex outside of marriage. So is fornication premarital sex in its historical context? Let's go see. Fornication in the English is the English for the biblical Greek word parnaya. Some people pronounce it porneia. It's not. It's porneia. The uh, Strong's number is G4202. And using Thayer's Greek lexicon and not Strong's concordance, we find that this word parnaya like I said, which is normally translated as fornication in the Bible, means illicit sexual intercourse. Illicit, therefore, is against the law. This is unlawful sexual intercourse. As I mentioned to you, parnaya, that, he, that, that Greek word is in the Septuagint, which is the translation of the Hebrew Scriptures from Hebrew to Greek, it tr that Greek word translates two Hebrew words, tausnut, which is whoredom, tausnut, and that's H8457, the Strong's number, and the other one is zanun, whoredom, idolatries, harlotries, and that's H2183. And I get that from the Gesenius Hebrew lexicon. Now, 
in both cases of Taznut and Zanun, in the definitions in the Hebrew lexicon, premarital sex, sex outside of marriage, is not specified. Now, it's fascinating. You can actually go to 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 22. And there, in the English, you might read about the harlotries of your mother. That's from the New American Standard, or maybe even for the King James. But anyway, harlotries, the obviously the sin of the mother, that word there in the Septuagint is parnaya, which we might say, oh, there it is, fornication. But if it is fornication, it can't mean sex outside of marriage because the mother's married. So we can see that that word, parnaya, which might be translated fornication, it's not here, it's translated harlotries, does not mean sex outside of marriage. Now in Jesus' day and Paul's day, only they only had the Hebrew Scriptures. They were writing the New Testament. Fornication, or taznut or zanun, whoredom or idolatries. This is what they understood because all they had was the Hebrew Scriptures, and they're speaking Hebrew. And nowhere in the Hebrew Scriptures do we find a law of God specifically going after sex outside of marriage. God does not do that precisely. These words aren't used. Now, a great scholar to the Jewish site, to website, comments on this. The website is called My Jewish Learning. And there's an article there by Rabbi Michael Gold, which is Traditional Sources on Sex Outside of Marriage. And in that article, quoting from a couple of sections, Rabbi Gold writes, the written Torah, in other words, the first five books of the Bible, the basis of the laws governing how to live a righteous life in Judaism, and even for us in Christianity. There are laws, and remember, this is, Torah is God's instruction, it's not laws, but there are laws in the Torah. The written Torah never forbids, never forbids sex outside of the context of marriage, with the exception of adultery and incest. <clears throat> On the contrary, the Torah seems to assume that it is a natural part of life. For example, when Judah sleeps with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, mistaking her for a prostitute, he is never condemned for the sexual act, only for avoiding his responsibilities in what we call the Leverite responsibilities. Rabbi Gold goes on to say, also when you study the Bible and history, the rabbis of the Talmudic era, now this is going to be after the temple was destroyed to about 640 A.D. Rabbis are writing the Talmud, which is their extensive commentary on the Torah. They laid down strict rulings, rulings regarding modesty and the separation of the sexes. The intermingling of the sexes in public, even in synagogue, was frowned upon. A man and a woman, unrelated by blood or marriage, were not permitted. Yehud, in other words, being alone together in private. Through such rulings and teachings, the rabbis attempted to prevent Jews from participating in sexual relations outside of marriage. However, they could not unequivocally claim that sex outside of marriage was forbidden in the Torah. 
and even today in modern Judaism, premarital sex might be defined as an unacceptable, immoral social behavior. Notice there's no word of sin in there. It's still debated, even today. And there's no definite answer in Judaism. Now, for me, I agree with the rabbis who basically say that sex outside of marriage is a sin. So, I would say premarital sex is an unacceptable, immoral, sinful social behavior. But you might ask, okay, John, <laughs> all these rabbis say it's not specified in the Torah. And you say it's sinful. How are you going to prove it? In all of Judaism, it's not forbidden by God in his Torah. In all the Hebrew scriptures. Now, before I answer, you're going to hear that fornication in the Bible among Christians means premarital sex. Well, we have a problem with that. First of all, Jesus never says that premarital sex is a sin. He never comes against sex outside of marriage specifically. Paul doesn't either, but he does say parnaya is sinful. Parnaya is forbidden. Parnaya is sometimes translated fornication. Now we've seen parnaya from Thayer's Greek lexicon is illicit sexual intercourse. Illicit is forbidden by laws, rules, or customs. Now I agree you guys, with every pastor today who says that premarital sex is a sin, premarital sex definitely is an unacceptable, immoral, sinful social behavior. But I want clearer proof and better proof, biblical proof, that it is. Parnaya in Jesus' day was not sex outside of marriage. The Bible is clear. So a lot of the reasoning that I hear in Christianity today is, okay, um, kind of having the Bible say what you want it to say so it backs up your position. You can't do that. The New Testament does not precisely say premarital sex is a sin. Let's just take a look at three examples. I'm going to go to Matthew 5. 32 in the New American Standard Bible. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now what's fascinating there is the word unchastity. The Greek word used there is parnaya. How come the translators did not use the English word fornication there? Because it's the Greek word, pornaya. Here it's a married woman, and a married woman can't have sex outside of marriage because she's married. So parnaya, coming back to the word fornication that the translator used sometimes, cannot mean premarital sex. Let's go to Acts 15, 20. 
And in Acts 15.20 we read, But that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication, here it is, and from what is strangled and from blood. Now this is a letter that James is dictating that will be taken to all the Gentiles throughout the world. And this is one of the things that Gentiles must do. Abstain from things contaminated by idols, from fornication, from what is strangled by blood. Now, in context, both before and after this verse, this letter is not addressed to singles only. If it was just singles only, you would say, <laughs> contaminate, uh, uh, you must abstain from things contaminated by idols, by idols from premarital sex and from what is strangled and from blood, which implies that if this is just premarital sex, adultery is fine. That, that, it doesn't make sense. Fornication has to be bigger than premarital sex. Fornication has to be bigger than just sex outside of marriage. This letter is going to Gentiles all over the world. It'll be taken by Paul and Barnabas. Another example is Galatians 5.19. And again, reading from the New American Standard, it says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, etc. The word that is in verse 19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality. The Greek word there is parneia. The translators did not use fornication. So fornication is immorality. But premarital sex Sex outside of marriage is not specified. Matter of fact, adultery here is not specified either. We've got immorality, we've got impurity, we've got sensuality, and so on. But the actual word premarital sex or sex outside of marriage is not specified. So biblically, one cannot say, biblically, one cannot say that sex outside of marriage between two consenting adults is a sin. We cannot say that sex outside of marriage is illicit, is, is illicit sexual behavior. In other words, it's against the law. But I agree that it is. And I think most of you agree. We would say sex outside of marriage is morally wrong. It's a sin. But how can I say that? The Bible, now here is the interesting word I'm going to put in here. The Bible seemingly does not precisely come against it. It's not even implied. Or is it? So again, you'd say, how is it justified? How can you claim it is a sin? Why? Because it is a law in the Bible. It is something that God comes against directly. So we have to go to the archaeological and historical aspects of the Bible. We want to put the Bible in context. 
when you do, it's pretty clear in the days of Moses, during the Exodus, that the worship of Baal among the ancient Canaanites involved ritual sex. There were sacred prostitutes, both male and female. Whether married or single, men or women, when they went to, in quotes, church in the Canaanite culture, there were sexual rituals as related, as related to the pagan worship of Asherah, which is the consort of their head god, Baal. Now, among some Canaanites, child sacrifice was also done. Very clear under Ahab and Jezebel. And also later on in Judah, they were sacrificing their children to the pagan gods. Later on, this extends into Greece and Rome. Classic example is the temple of Aphrodite in ancient Corinth. It is said that there were a thousand female prostitutes. And these female prostitutes were part of the temple complex so that when you went to church at the Aphrodite temple, there on Acro-Corinth, Acro which is the very high Acropolis in Corinth, there was ritualistic sex for men, both young and old, married and unmarried. And it's also suggested for women as well. So sex outside of marriage in the pagan Canaanite culture and also in the pagan Roman and Greek culture was part of their worship. So we have that in Canaan, in Greece, in Rome. It was legal. It was considered proper. On top of that, it was considered holy. Ray Vanderland wrote a fascinating article, which I will link you to. I will be providing many links in this lesson for you so that you can study this in more depth. Because what we're trying to do now, we're in the, hist the historical context now of the Bible. We're looking at archaeology in the historical context to try to find out where did God come against Sex outside of marriage, exactly. First thing I'll bring up in Ray Vanderland's article, that Asherah was honored as the fertility goddess in various forms and with various names. The Bible does not actually describe the goddess, but archaeologists have discovered figurines believed to be representations of her. A little bit later on, Ray Vanderland goes on to say, Asherah was worshipped in various ways, including ritual sex. Although she was believed to Baal's mother, she was also his mistress. And pagans practiced sympathetic magic. That is, they believed they could influence the god's actions by, perform by performing the behavior they wished the gods to demonstrate. So believing the sexual union of Baal and Asherah provided fertility, the worshippers also engaged in immoral sex to, God, to cause the gods to join together, ensuring good harvest. So on top of that, we also talked about the fact that the Canaanites, not all of them, but in many cases, practiced 
child sacrifice as well. And later on, in pagan, in the pagan cities of Greece and the pagan cities of Rome, not only do we find that sex outside of marriage is used for ritualistic religious purposes, but on top of that, infanticide and abortions were legal in ancient Greece and Rome. Now, the reason why I bring that up, there is no verse in the Bible, in the Hebrew Scriptures or in the New Testament, where God comes against abortion. That word is never used. Oh, yeah, God comes against child sacrifice, but not abortion. There are people today who are anti-Christian, anti-Bible. They're pro-choice, and they say, well, in the Bible, Jesus never comes against abortion, which is true. You cannot find it in the New Testament. You cannot find it in the Old Testament. God is never specific in terms of saying abortion, infanticide, is actually immorally, morally wrong and sinful. But it was legal in pagan cultures. Matter of fact, in terms of infanticide, in the Greek and Roman culture, they practiced abortion. They practiced child exposure. And another third way that if they wanted to get rid of their son or their daughter, but especially daughters, they could drown them. And it was legal. And again, I'll provide you the links at the website, lightofmenorah.org, one word, light of menorah, M-E-N-O-R-A-H, and I'll be providing you with a number of links where you can do your own research. And remember, when you take a look at these articles, look at their resources. Take those resources and follow that up as well. Now, I think there, that there are more laws in the Torah than 613. Remember, Torah is instruction and with regards to instruction, it does contain laws. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. The great Jewish scholar Maimonides in the 12th century, he basically said there were 613 laws. And the list can be found by links that I've provided. So you can actually take a look at those links and actually see his list. Now, I suggest you there are more. Now, if Maimonides was alive today, I think he would probably say, well, John... Um, that one law that you're quoting, I think uh, that I'm including that as well. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think he would agree with me totally. Uh, I'm trying to say that there's more laws uh, than uh, 613. But I think, uh, indeed, he would agree with my approach. Let's consider these verses. So in the Torah, I'm going to go to Leviticus 18, verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan, or Canaan, where I'm bringing you, you shall not walk in their statutes. In other words, you will not do what they do that they consider 
legal. Already God is coming against Canaan, Canaan. He's coming against what they did in ritualistic practices in religion and basically saying, you will not follow what they consider legal. Don't do what's done in Canaan. In other words, don't practice sex outside of marriage. Don't practice child sacrifice. Don't practice idolatry. Don't even participate in these immoralities. That's the Greek word parnaya. Parnaya, which be, can be translated in some cases by translators as fornication. But here we have God actually coming against the practices of Canaan. Let's go to Leviticus 20, verses 22 to 23. You are therefore to keep all my statutes, God is saying, and all my ordinances and do them, so that the land to which I'm bringing you to live will not spit you out or spew you out. Moreover, you shall not follow the customs of the nation, nation which I will drive out before you, for they did these things, and therefore I have abhorred them. Don't do what pagans do. Now in Jesus' day, all they had was the Hebrew Scriptures. And the Torah itself, God's instruction, was the basis for godly living. Jesus was a Torah teacher. And he was taking the Torah, the ways of godly living, to a new level. He wasn't disagreeing with it. He was adding to it, strengthening it. So, in Jesus' day, don't do what the pagan Romans do. In Jesus' day, don't do what the pagan Greeks do. Sex outside of marriage, abortion, and infanticide would be considered sin. You can take a look at this in the works of Josephus. I'll give you a link for that. In one of his works called Antiquities in chapter 4 and verse 278, Josephus says that abortion is considered murder. It's not in the Bible, is it? But it is, because God said, do not do what the pagans do. Peter, in his letter, 1 Peter, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. I believe he suggests to be different among the Gentiles. Not to be like the Gentiles, to be different, to be holy, to be separate. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshy lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. In other words, you should be abstaining from these fleshy lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent. Why? Because the Gentiles, the pagan Gentiles, this is what they did. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Abstain from fleshy lusts. Don't do what the pagans do. In other words, 
don't practice sex outside of marriage, which is done in the temples, the Roman temples all across Turkey, all across Greece, all across Rome. And then we come to Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17, this is just so awesome. Paul is teaching us and says, So this I say, and firm together with the Lord. In other words, what is Paul saying? I'm teaching what the Lord is teaching. In other words, what's Paul doing? He's teaching Torah. He is now about to teach Torah. He's making commentary on Torah. Perhaps even those verses we talked about, Leviticus. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the Gentile pagans being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Do not act like the pagans. This is nothing more than the laws of the Torah extended now into the days of the pagan Greek and the pagan Roman culture. Did God say sex outside of marriage is a sin? Precisely. No. Did God say sex outside of marriage is a sin? Yes. But we didn't get it. We didn't hear his word like they did. We weren't part of that culture. This is something that is dismissed again in the church, and I'm going to suggest to you in Judaism as well. Look at the culture. Torah, God's instruction. And Jesus as a rabbi meant, if he was a rabbi 2,000 years ago, meant that he was a Torah teacher. He, as other rabbis, were teaching as to how to live as God's chosen people. And I'm going to have to say that Jesus and his way of teaching the Torah was amazing and awesome. Now, Jesus is God, and God inspired Moses to write the entire Torah. Matter of fact, there's one verse that I want to take a look at that God inspired Moses to write. It's Deuteronomy chapter 12. Verses 30 through 31. Moses is writing, Beware that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed before you, meaning the pagan nations, specifically the Canaanites, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods, that I may also do likewise? You shall not behave thus toward the Lord your God, for every abominable abominable act which the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. They practice sex outside of marriage, and they do it for their gods? And God hates it. For they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire 
to their gods. Sex outside of marriage, God hates. The sacrifice of children, God hates. Don't do what the pagans do. Does God mean it? Is he serious about this? You take a look at the second commandment. This is in Exodus 20, verse 7. The words are, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. However, I thank such great Torah teachers as Dennis Prager, who is a Hebrew expert. And under his inspiration, he said, when we look at this verse, the second commandment, the word take, in other words, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, take, is the Hebrew word nasa, Strong's numbers H5375, and we go into the Gesenius lexicon, it means to carry. You shall not carry the name of the Lord your God to vanity. Let's take a look at the word vanity or vain. The Hebrew word ashav, Strong's numbers H7723, and shav means evil, ruin, desecration, destruction, degradation. Now, when we take these Hebrew words, the second commandment becomes even more dramatic. You shall not carry the name of the Lord your God to ruin. You shall not carry the name of the Lord your God to, to destruction or desecration. Now, we Christians, if we say we're Christians, we carry his name. You can take a look at this that were called by his name in Acts 22.16. And there's the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom that comes in the name of Jesus in Acts 8, verse 12. And then we come to God's soul of the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. That whoever believes in him and accepts him as Lord and Savior will be saved. We carry his name. We declare we are his. We are saved because of Jesus and in his name. We carry his name. We are his holy or set apart, separate people. That's what holy means. Kadosh means set apart, special, specially set aside. We're set apart from the pagan culture. And today, in the 21st century, young Christians need to come to the understanding of the second commandment of the Ten Commandments. They carry his name. And they must understand that God hates sex outside of marriage. He hates child sacrifice. He hates abortion. We are not to do what they do. The culture of Canaan, the culture of Greece, the culture of Rome is alive and well today. In Hebrews 13, 4, we realize that the writer of Hebrews basically saying the marriage bed is to be kadosh, holy, set apart, and on top of that, 
in our lives. In Ephesians 5, 3, there shouldn't even be a hint, not a whisper, not a suggestion of any sexually immoral behavior. Anybody in Ephesus that's a Christian would understand what that means. No sex outside of marriage. The church and all of us must come to a deeper realization of what God hates. If we don't stop now and if we don't start teaching our young, we would be carrying his glorious name into evil and into disgrace. Is premarital sex a sin? You better believe it. Mm -hmm.